0: You're listening to a Healthy Insider podcast audio report. With Karen Butler, Senior Editor. This Healthy Insider audio report is underwritten by Valencia International.
1: In 2017, U.S. retail sales of herbal dietary supplements broke the $8 billion mark for the first time, according to data from Nutrition Business Journal. This marked an 8.5% increase in consumer spending compared to the previous year, and the strongest U.S. sales growth for herbal supplements in more than 15 years. Unfortunately, as herbal supplements increase in popularity, so do efforts to try to benefit from unscrupulous business practices, such as botanical adulteration. Mark Blumenthal, founder and executive director of the American Botanical Council, shared what constitutes adulteration.
2: The way we use the term is the addition or substitution or dilution
1: of a uh,
2: botanical material with undisclosed levels of lower cost and often less active materials.
1: We asked Dr. Margaret Donalick, Chief Scientific Officer and Senior Vice President of Research and Innovation at Valenza International, how big of a problem botanical adulteration is.
0: It's huge. Uh, And Karen, I think, you know, all of us as consumers can appreciate the fact that the foundational issue that we face when we consider adulteration as an industry problem is the trust and lack of confidence um, that the consumers might have in the products um, that they can choose from.
1: Blumenthal echoed Donalik's concerns, although he distinguished between urgent safety risks and other possible repercussions.
2: Most of the adulteration that we have confirmed that is occurring in the United States and or in the total global marketplace, because this is a global issue, it's a mar- uh, the market is international for these ingredients, mm-hmm. most of the adulteration is not directly associated with any safety risks. There's a few uh, that we can discuss, but most of these are not causing toxicity reactions. Uh, That is the very guardedly uh, stated good news. Uh, However, the other issue is about the efficacy of the material, the activity of the material, adulterated material. If an herb is adulterated by adding an undisclosed amount of some Cheaper material that uh, does or ingredient that doesn't have the same benefit or effect. It lowers or reduces or eliminates the potential benefit that the consumer is using that herb for or that the health professional is recommending that herb for.
1: Among the botanicals commonly adulterated is black cohosh, which, according to 2017 Spins data, was the number six best selling botanical in the mainstream multi outlet channel. Ginkgo biloba and saw palmetto were among the top 25 best-selling botanicals, both in mainstream and natural channels, and also make the list for common adulteration targets. Blumenthal shared an example of how a botanical such as bilberry extract might be adulterated.
2: Bilberry extract, uh, bilberry's a relatively expensive uh, berry, uh, and it's uh, been, extra- been adulterated with uh, proanthocyanins, pro-antho- these rich purple-blue pigments, from other less expensive berries, as well as in some cases, uh, some dyes, some uh, red food dyes and charcoal, uh, which cannot be detected if people use a simple uh, ultraviolet or UV analytical method. You have to use the more robust HPLC analytical method as determined by the European Pharmacopeia and the USP method
1: FDA created the basic framework for safety of botanical supplements through Title 21, Part 111 of the Code of Federal Regulations, which sets the standard for current good manufacturing practices, or CGMPs. Dr. Holly Johnson, Chief Science Officer at the American Herbal Products Association, explained. So in terms of
3: testing botanicals, it's been since 2007 that um, the FDA made the the final rule for Part uh, 111, so that's Title 21 CFR Part 111, which is the standard, the public standard that kind of governs the the testing and um, quality of our dietary supplement and dietary ingredients, including botanicals. So as per um, Part 111, you know, you must set specifications um, in, in terms of your testing. So you must set specifications for idea, uh, identity, purity, strength, and composition, as well as for compounds are things that may adulterate. So you set this series of specifications, and then of course, as per 111.70 and 111.75, um, those parts of the code uh, require you to actually select methods, testing methods, that you can use to support those specifications. Um, so selecting um, uh, appropriate testing methods to support your specifications is really a big, um, a big piece of kind of the testing and botanicals part.
1: However, Blumenthal noted even due diligence with testing isn't always foolproof, as evidenced by saw palmetto activity discovered in the last year.
2: The issue with saw palmetto is very interesting. Here's a Native American medicinal plant from the southeast United States, primarily Florida, that we've known has been adulterated with various types of vegetable oils for over the last decade or more. And this is because of the relative price increase of saw palmetto at different times over the last decade or more based on weather conditions that affect the crop output and other factors uh, that affect the availability of the crop, which affects prices. Now, in in, the, in December of 2018, a year ago, there was a publication that came out, now several publications, that have shown that not only is saw palmetto adulterated with vegetable oils, but even maybe more dastardly or incredulously, it's adulterated with, at least some of it, is adulterated with material that is derived from animal fat.
1: Blumenthal explained fat is reportedly being rendered from animals, broken down into different types of fatty acids, and then recombined by chemists in the proportions that fit the profile for the fatty acids, as documented as a quality control standard, by the USP and European Pharmacopeal monographs for saw palmetto extract. Johnson said self-regulatory efforts have made a huge difference in educating the natural products marketplace against this type of exploitation.
0: There
3: is an industry effort um, led by the American Herbal Pharmacopeia, the American Botanical Council, and the Natural Products Research Group at the University of Mississippi called the Botanical Adulterance Prevention Program. Um, And so they've kind of gone about systematically looking at If we hear about a a particular ingredient or botanical that we're noticing adulteration in the marketplace, um, the the groups get their expertise together and come up with a bulletin about this. So it really is kind of a um, self-regulatory effort, but we'll find out about this through the program that, oh, you should really keep an eye on your your ginkgo extracts or that kind of
1: thing. Blumenthal also serves as director of the Botanical Adulterance Prevention Program, which he said is uniquely positioned to inform industry about new adulteration schemes.
2: So what we did with our Saw Palmetto uh, Adulterance Bulletin is we issued a revision so to include this type of adulteration, which was not known when we wrote the initial version of the Saw Palmetto Bulletin several years ago. So this is an indication that the Botanical Adulterance Prevention Program is not a static program. We don't just publish publications and That's the end of it, we keep revising these publications as needed to reflect the serious conditions in the marketplace that reputable and responsible companies and ethically run companies need to know about so they can double or triple down in their quality control uh, regimen to ensure that they are not buying material that is essentially fraudulent but looks okay based on what was previously an okay and acceptable testing method, but has now been rendered an ineffective testing method because the adulterators, if that's a word, have okay. tried to fool the method.
1: Johnson explained the authentication of modern day botanical ingredients is further challenged by various preparations.
3: What's happened in kind of the modern marketplaces more so is the the state of the material. So we often, instead of buying, you know, aerial parts that actually have flowers and leaves associated with them, and then grinding them up at your facility, um, many companies these days and what's being traded in commerce are powders, either powdered herb or sometimes um, extracted materials. So once you've got a powdered, or even even to a greater extent, when your material already been extracted. You don't have access to those morphological features, the real way that that scientists identify plants. So what we have to do are, are have these proxy methods. That those proxy methods for ID, you know, can be sometimes chemical methods such as HPTLC or LCMS fingerprinting, um, and sometimes they can be uh, organoleptic or using a microscope um, if the if the stuff is powdered or extracted. So there's a variety of different methods, but you really have to be careful in setting appropriate specifications for your materials and then selecting the right type of analytical methods that are specific to how processed the material is when you bring it into your world.
1: Donalick suggested companies procuring ingredients should have a rigorous supplier qualification program in place as well as conducting audits. We asked her if using branded ingredients provides an advantage in the fight against adulteration.
0: You would think so, um, but unfortunately I think they, they can often become more of a target. Um, Because a branded proposition usually means there's some consumer recognition or potential to build consumer recognition and trust and confidence, as we first stated, um, uh, with that proposition, that
1: branded ingredient proposition in mind. She suggested certifications can provide extra confidence.
0: One of the ways to look at the value proposition of a branded ingredient that does have another aspect that might, that would certainly allow the consumer to to understand not only the value proposition but the the reason for trust and the ability to be confident is to have a branded ingredient proposition that has a certification behind it. Two of the biggest certifying organizations that we tend to see represented across quality products in the botanical uh, supplement market would be the U.S. Pharmacopeia as well as NSF international it's another certifying body. The importance of of organizations like this, and there are others, is that they require the, uh, the company not only to, uh, to meet standards for the quality of the product, the finished product, that they want to sell into the market. It also is a manufacturing certification program as well.
1: Doing things right typically takes time and money, and authenticating botanicals is no different. However, Johnson noted the market is full of great options for those who are willing to go the extra mile
3: want to find a really high quality botanical extract or botanical material, you can find it. Um, There's a lot of really, really wonderful botanical ingredients and and materials in the marketplace. But again, they cost a lot. You know, Um, these are, um, you know, suppliers that have full control over their supply chains that, you know, probably are doing the right type of sustainability work and make sure that their workers are, you know, getting paid well and have benefits and that type of thing. Uh, on their end uh, that are appropriate. And so, you know, I think it does often, it, it comes down to economics, right? This is a business. Um, so I think again, if, if you're a company that's willing to pay and your customers are willing to pay for really high quality ingredients, they are available in the marketplace.
1: Although some bad actors have caused concerns about botanical adulteration, a combination of tireless commitment from leading organizations, self-regulatory measures, and adherence to CGMPs and other best practices has truly contributed to the ongoing success of the herbal supplement market.
0: This audio report is underwritten by Valenza International.